Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the channel today where we're going to be looking at a story which the media has been talking about over the last two weeks, but they've really been focused on one specific part of it, which is the extraction of personnel of different countries, mainly Western countries, from Sudan. So we're going to talk a little bit about Sudan today and talk about the things that most people will just not know about the country. In fact, I bet if I asked half the people watching, most people wouldn't even know exactly where it is pinpointed on a map. But it is quite a strategic country and it's definitely strategic for a resource-based perspective. But there is a lot going on there which I want to talk about today and how this um, sort of fits in with what we've been talking about, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and how this is all moving in one set direction. So let's look at Sudan today. Let's look at what exactly is going on there. And I'll start by giving you a very brief overview. We'll then look at gold, key thing. We'll look at oil uh, resources, and then we'll look at weapons. And I'll actually mention something which is quite controversial on an article that you won't see at the moment considering what's happening between Russia and Ukraine and where, um, well, we'll get into that about these weapons. So let's just get started by looking at uh, Google Maps here, map of the world. And as we look over here at the African continent, and by the way, I just want to point out and I will show you, this is not a correct scale of the world map. Again, whenever I tell this to people, they sort of seem shocked or think I'm trying to pull their leg, if you understand the old English expression. I'm not making uh, you know this up. This isn't something that, you know, a theory of mine. This is actual fact. This is not a true representation of the world map. So I'll show you that in a moment. But if we scroll into the African continent here, this is Sudan. It sits just underneath Egypt. And then you have South Sudan, Ethiopia, Eritrea. And then this is the CAR, which is a, a conflict region as well at the moment. So I will show you this briefly, actually. But what you see on the right is the world map. But actually, this is the true representation of the world map here. And as you can see, Africa is enormous and it's not just in so is south america by the way and it puts it into perspective when you start thinking about the BRICS countries then and we're told that the BRICS countries are very you know small nothing big about them at all but actually if you look at the west here you have the united states you have canada the rest is greenland then of course we have mexico down to south america this is all africa which is very gradually moving over to BRICS in terms of the alliance, as is much of the Middle East, as, of course, we have Russia, China, India, and these countries here, everything from Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Myanmar, etc. So actually, the Western alliance is very, very small. It's nowhere near as big as they would have you believe. Now, I want to go into all the weapons as well in a moment and where they're coming from. But before then, I want to just give you a very short overview. So Sudan, 45 million people, third largest country actually in Africa. Uh, mainstream media is making out like it's a you know a small conflict and they're talking about 100 people being injured. It's actually a lot bigger than that and there, there is a lot of strategic things going on in the region. The reason that the mainstream, in, in terms of the Western media, are not focusing on it heavily is because if they do, it will start to raise a lot of questions. In fact, 
the response from a number of Western countries is basically saying, let me paraphrase, uh, it's nothing to do with us. We have no influence in that area. We're not sending any sort of military aid or humanitarian aid, etc. It's basically nothing to do with us, so we're going to keep our nose out. And yet that isn't the same policy in other conflicts. So it's uh, very interesting until you start looking at the resources and, and where all of this goes. But in terms of Sudan, then, you're actually having these military coups all the time. You think back over the last 50, 60 years, there seems to be one every uh, decade. So it is a country that's always um, in conflict. And if you think about, it was actually Britain that colonized the region a long way back, and then it was split. So you have Sudan, South Sudan, etc. It was actually split between the north going to Egypt, which was a sort of, I guess we can call it a proxy to Britain, and then Britain actually controlled the lower regions. This, I would say, is where a little bit of this, why you keep seeing these conflicts as well between these two groups, because, of course, you had Sharia law that went into the northern region under Egypt, and then you had Christianity being spread through the lower regions. So is it any wonder that there, there's still a lot of conflict there. Now, if you think about what I just mentioned about the last five, six decades of conflict, Sudan actually broke away from British colonial uh, rule in about 1956. And the tensions really weren't helped by the amount of Western powers that have been using Sudan to, as a weapons dump, as it were. And that's why it is known as Africa's weapons dump. So Western countries have been doing this for a long time, which is only aggravating the conflict. It doesn't help now that you've also got UAE and some other big players who are actually sending weapons to one side. You've got certain countries that are financing both sides of the conflict, which is a very common tactic. We've seen this throughout history. And yet we keep hearing the same line all, all the time, which is, you know, we need to stop these brutal wars. Well, if that were true, if these governments really, especially Western governments, if they really honestly wanted to stop all of these wars, they would stop manufacturing weapons and selling those weapons to those countries. In fact, that what they keep saying is, oh, the reason we're selling all of these huge amounts of weapons into you know, these conflict regions is because it helps to bring stability. It's complete nonsense. If everybody at the same time just stopped all of this weapons manufacturing and, and, and there was some sort of new rules that everyone signed up to, and, and I get it, this is sort of pie-in-the-sky utopian thinking, and you might say this will never happen. But at the same time, someone's got to you know, take that first step towards doing it and brokering peace deals and all these other things. So when you keep hearing Western countries like many of us live in saying, we're doing all we can, it's just not true. By selling even more weapons into these countries, you're not doing all you can. You're doing all you can to keep the conflict going because it's in their best interests. And the same is really true at the moment within Sudan. You've basically got two warring factions. You've got the Sudan army and you've got the RSF, both under these power-hungry generals, I think is the best way to describe it. Now, the other thing we have going on here is Egypt. And Egypt is a really crucial player here. And they're sort of playing both sides at the moment because Egypt wants to join BRICS. And in fact, they're very close to getting BRICS membership, as are 
a lot of other countries. I think off the top of my head, there's 11 countries that are going through the process at the moment, which will bolster BRICS absolutely massively. And if you remember from the video a couple weeks back or a few weeks back, Egypt has actually joined the BRICS New Development Bank. So they're already a member of that now, which is putting them one step closer to joining BRICS. Now, there's a lot of other players involved here. You've got Libya that's uh, getting involved in this. Now, there's another very interesting, I want to get onto the more controversial bits now we've got the basic stuff out of the way. But there's a, a lot of very interesting reports that are out by organizations that I think we can trust. Now, there's certain organizations that you and I know, no matter how you know, whiter than white they appear. They cannot be trusted. They're very, very biased. But there are other organizations that I do think we can trust. And when we see these reports coming out, especially when they are against, let's say, our own nations and some of the you know, bad things they're doing around the world, I do think we can look at those reports and, and gain a lot of information from them. So we've got a lot of talks about UK arms deals, UAE arms deals, Ukrainian arms deals in the country. Again, not popular opinion at the moment. No one seems to be writing about the uh, Ukrainian arms deals because that would go against uh, you know, a lot of the narratives that, that we're seeing at the moment. So I'll be very careful how I tread with, with uh, this topic. But we also have China that's involved. Russia is involved. A lot of different countries. I mean, China has 130 companies right now in Sudan. In fact, it even goes um, deeper than that. China is Sudan's second largest trading partner. So Sudan trade, in fact, let's go to the shared screen and have a look. Before we jump into all the economics, let's just look at weapons then. So who's actually funding the Sudan armed forces or who's providing weapons? Azerbaijan, Belarus, China, Cuba, Czech Republic, Iran. Poland is actually the only sort of Western nation that's on here, Russia, Venezuela, Vietnam, and India. So remember, this is the Sudan Armed Forces, but we've also got the RSF here. And it is quite difficult to find out who actually provides a lot of these weapons. So it seems as though this same group keeps coming up over and over again, as well as UAE, it claims sold arms to both sides. Now, it's quite interesting, actually, when you look into the uh, Russian group here, we won't use the, uh, the key word, but this is uh, quite crazy, the influence they have right across Africa and the number of personnel that they now have, over 50,000 uh, personnel. To see all the conflict zones they're involved in, is, it, it really is crazy to think about a private paramilitary in this regard. So Syria, IRGC, FACA, Libya. This is obviously what we're talking about here, the RSF. And then of course, all the opponents from Islamic State and it really is just nuts. And then we have this report from the OCCRP, which is the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project. So this is all about arms washing. So they're talking about Ukraine arms washing in the region. And this is how they claim it's being done. So it's via Poland to Ukraine, and then from Ukraine to the UAE, to then Uganda and Burundi. We then had another arms deal report out of Amnesty International. By the way, don't ask me what's going on with this picture and what, what, 
what's on this guy's head. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. But here it is, UK, Amnesty exposes illicit $46 million. So this is South Sudan arms deal brokered under the government's nose. Now I've looked into this very briefly and it is again a pretty wild story. And this is the company, you can look it up on Companies House, S-Profit Limited. Uh, and this is the uh, director who's involved in it. I won't go into all of this because again, I'm just picking up the information from this amnesty report. Now, the other thing going on in Sudan at the moment is that they actually did a deal with Russia. So here's Sudan here, and this is the port of Sudan. And they actually did a deal with Russia so that they could allow Russian military to base themselves here as well as for warships. So that gives them control of the Red Sea and also this region rather than the, the, the ships having to travel all the way around. Now let's get on to oil then. So again, where does the oil go? It goes to Port Sudan. Is that a coincidence that this is where the Russian military are? No, I don't think so. Because when we get into the, the actual economics of Sudan here, we always have to look at two things. We have to look at the exports, we have to look at the imports, because this tells you the genuine, the true partners within each country. So what are they exporting then? Gold, number one. What is BRICS building up huge levels of right now? Gold. What else do they export? Crude, so not refined, but crude petroleum. Where is a lot of this going? It's going to the UAE, so that's 2.9 billion. That now explains the UAE interest in the country. China, 780 million, and Saudi Arabia, as well as India. So let's look now at the imports then. And where is most of it coming from? China, 1.8 billion, UAE, 1.37, Saudi Arabia, India, and Egypt. Guess what? They are all BRICS nations, or if we look at Egypt here, very soon to be a BRICS nation. And if you want it in a more infographic here, then this is their, their exports, and this is where those exports are heading to. I briefly touched upon this a couple months back now, but this is really where we are heading to. We're heading to not only the BRICS nation, but with an African alliance. So lots of the African countries wanting to join BRICS. I know that the US sent Kamala Harris over to some of the African nations, but if you actually read the reports, it doesn't seem as though they were too impressed, especially after she tried to give them a lecture on the laws of their own country. Probably not the best move. Now, another interesting thing here, and I'm saving this part till last, is that Sudan has actually submitted now a formal application to join BRICS. Here it is, Anil Sukel, the South African ambassador to the BRICS, confirmed on April 24th during an interview that 13 countries had officially submitted applications to join the group of emerging economies. One of those was Sudan. Not all of those countries have been revealed at the moment, but another one is Algeria, Egypt, as we mentioned, Nigeria, which will be an interesting one, real power player in the region. Sudan, we've just mentioned, and Zimbabwe. So I think it's quite clear what's happening here and what, what's really behind a lot of this. It's gold, it's oil, it's weapons. It's the same thing each time. 
yeah, sure, the media will always try and tell us it's something else and that, you know, it's just these two crazy guys. But actually, if you get under the surface of it, you see it's the same thing that's happening in lots of other countries as well. Again, the media tries to make out that, you know, Africa is just, you know, there's nothing there. It's, you know, a problem continent and whatever else they say all the time. Again, it's just not true. Africa is one of the most resource rich continents on the planet. So I think we'll leave it there today then. Thank you so much for watching and being a subscriber here. I will see you tomorrow for the walk and talk. Take care. God bless.